0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Burt's Books Podcast. We're back! We're back! It's been a while. It has been a while. I did, um, I just sort of threw my arms up in the air then you as I did again. that. And I've hurt my rib. Mm. i walked into a pillar. Well, the only pillar yeah. in the shop. If you haven't been to the shop uh, yet, A, why haven't you been to the shop? But B, <laughs> it's like a massive open space apart from one pillar right in the middle. And I managed to somehow hit it. If it helps, I walked into one of the tables the other day. Well done. Which, which one? Uh, the one by the door. Oh, I'm trying to get out. <laughs> no, no, just backwards. <laughs> you know, I've, you know what I've said about you yes. trying to leave. the I'm shop. so sorry. Um, yeah, so um, out that hurt. How are you? It's been a while since we've done one of these. It has been a while. I've been very busy, but I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, so, the, so the queen died midway through recording our last podcast. E- yes, that which was, awkward. was which was I felt inconvenient. It was rather yes. But, you know, um, so that, game, that's how long it's been. Yes. Uh, so we've got lots of books to talk about. Yeah, well I've I've read quite a lot. I don't wish to discuss many of them. Oh. It's been like that. It's been has one it? of those months. Oh, so actually, that is a good segue into what I was going to talk about. We've had an email oh, yeah. based on our last conversation, or one of our last conversations, about giving up on books. I would never, <coughs> Dracula. That you don't enjoy. And we had an email from Catherine. And I say email, I mean essay. Hello, S- um, hello Catherine. Not but essay. Um, I haven't told you about this. Oh, wow. But it is very big. So I've I've, um, I've asked Catherine, we've actually then had a little bit of a ca- conversation over email. And um, I've asked her permission to read some of this out she wanted to first of all get in touch to say thank you for talking about not uh being able to give up books and um she says for most of my childhood you wouldn't have seen me without a book in my hand i was a bookworm until i hit my 20s and then reading started happening in sporadic periods the stopping and starting was was caused most of the time by the thought that I had to finish books. It took quite a lot of talking at myself and fighting with this belief into my 30s to get over this, even though I've had my 100-page rule for quite a long time. And um, basically what happened was uh, she read a book and um, it just put her off. Mm. And she had such a bad experience with that book, um, connected to her mental health, that she just couldn't read it. And she still has this sort of really negative for attached to that book. And yeah. I just thought it was interesting how we associate books with different times of our life. Oh, totally. There's, there's so many books that I can think of now. If I think about reading them, I can picture exactly where I was or what was happening in my life when I was reading them. Um, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the ill. Which is quite handy, yes. because we are going to bring back... The Shelf Life Podcast. Hooray! Which hasn't been done since March this year, when Patrick Gale recorded an episode. We've just met this week. We met this week, yes. yes. Uh, I don't know if you know, but since then I've opened a bookshop. Yes. Been a little busy. Um, But we are going to bring back The Shelf Life Podcast in 2023. Lovely. And I'm saying it on here so that we do do it. Yes. Because we're going to record an episode Eat with each other aren't we? Yes we, we are yes. We're going to re- look at your seven books that have yep. changed your life in some way we're going to look at my seven books that yes. have changed uh, my life in some way At some way. point we will At some point We'll get it done and ready so that it's sort of ready for Christmas slash New Year I think Yes Now sort of on, on that subject as well books that have changed your life I want to bring up another thing that Catherine has said in yes. her emails, and that was um, about um, about those attachments that you can put on books, yeah. and how different books can mean different things. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if you remember, but Catherine actually came into the shop a couple of months ago. I do remember, yes. And she has, uh, she bought a book from us, because yes. I insisted that she did, and it says, here she says, and of course, some writing can inspire me as a writer, too. Tin Man by Sarah Winman Lovely. did just that for me. I pretty much read it in one sitting a couple of days after I visited you in person, and now I have 100k plus of a new novel. Lovely. Wow. How Very nice. That's a lot of writing. I've written 200 words this afternoon. But that's the most I've written in six months. So, you uh, know. Yeah, well, I'm I've, catching up. I've opened a bookshop, you know. I've written that's barely true. a thing. That's true. Um, but I have read a couple of books. Excellent. Lovely. Um, I've read a couple since we uh, last spoke. And uh-huh. Not an awful lot. I've struggled a bit. Yeah, just yeah, because yeah. we've been a bit busy. September's like that, I find, as yeah, well. Yeah. Are you ready definitely. for a new school? Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, never goes away. Um, do you want to go first, or shall I? I can go first if you like. Brilliant. Uh, let's uh, let's hear what you have got to say on the other side of this music. Hit me. What do I love more than anything? Me? No. Oh. Um, hang on. Now I know this one. Agatha Christie. Oh, almost. Oh, I will discuss her later. Okay. But that, there is one thing I like more than Agatha Christie. Breakfast, okay. Love breakfast. Food. This isn't helping with me thinking you might be a hobbit. No, that's fair. Um, today actually was the first day off I've had with nothing to do for months, and so I took myself out for breakfast. Amazing, delicious, lovely, loved it. What did you have? Fry up, just all the stuff. Everything. All all, all, of the, all stuff. the gubbins. Yeah, yeah. Where did you go? Uh, cafe down the road. It was nice. Very nice. It was Is that lovely. the little greasy? What one looks yeah, like a proper greasy spoon. Greasy spoon. Yeah, nice. yeah. Really nice. Um, really good stuff. But I mention this because... Oh, yeah. Is that anything to do with books? Yeah, it is to do with books, yes. I have just read a book by Felicity Cloak, who is a food writer for The Guardian, called Red Sauce, Brown Sauce. Oh, which yes. Which is a British breakfast odyssey. So it came out earlier this year, and it is basically um, Felicity going around, cycling around uh, Britain, tasting all the breakfasts. Well, you'd have to if you were eating that many you'd breakfasts. Yes, you wouldn't exactly. be able to drive. No, no, no. So um, it is her going around and basically trying to work out why we're so obsessed with breakfast. And all the regional variations therein of a breakfast, and what makes all the difference, and what things that we cr- create in the, in Britain, and that I would find on the breakfast plate, as it were. So she goes. The, the trouble, like I think, her plans for it were much broader than actually ended up happening because she did the cycle in 2021 when obviously a lot of stuff was sort of closed for why COVID, what, why what happened. There was a pandemic. Oh, a uh, okay. So um, she, could, she was plans to visit the Marmite factory and the Heinz factory, and it all fell through. But she ended up meeting other people and doing all different things instead. I don't know why that surprised me. That there's a Marmite factory. True, it's just made somewhere. It's just it's I not bet, spiders making that. I bet some of the residents nearby really like it, and oh. some really hate it. <laughs> As long it used to live near a town that made uh, beer. The smell of hops, Bleh. disgusting. But um, yes, no, I, I think it's yeah. I, I, it's where all the marmite comes from in the country. But basically she travelled the country and found all the variations. So in Wales she um, tries lava bread, in Scotland there's black pudding, and um, what's the other one for black for Scotland? I can't remember now. Haggis. Haggis, that's the word I want. Um, the Isle of Man's Kippers, uh, Belfast, Soda Falls and potato bread. But then going also through bacon, jam, eggs, sausages. All the stuff that you'd find on the breakfast. Was that bacon, comma, jam or bacon jam? You can get bacon jam, but in that case it was bacon, comma, jam. Okay, carry on. Um, So, yeah, it's just basically then going through, meeting these people. Each chapter then contains a recipe on how to make everything as well, like the best version of everything. The last chapter includes a recipe for full English, the best way to do it. Um, But throughout, she meets all these people. It's like a really funny book, um, really sort of like sweet and... um, a gentle look at the British countryside as well because she's cycling through it and it's a beautiful country. Um, but as she goes, I'm meeting all these people and basically everyone she meets as well. The question is, red sauce or brown sauce in your sandwich? Because that will divide people on which they have a bacon sandwich. Right. And what what do it. you have? I'm red sauce all the way. Right. You? I am no sauce. No, see, and Felicity herself is marmalade, which I have issues Whoa. with, but you know, we won't deal with that. Um, I just like a nice slavering of butter. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yellow sauce? Go with yellow sauce. That's mustard, though. Oh. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's just a really interesting look at everything from kipper's to Kedgeri, porridge to potato bread, and just finding out what makes the British get up in the morning. And does it answer the question of... What is the actual difference between a full English, a full Scottish and a full Irish? Yes, it does, but they're all um, entirely different as well, depending on where you are and who's serving it and who's who's making it, which county you're in, which town you're in sometimes. There will be so many variations on it and everyone will have their own opinion on whether the tomatoes should be grilled or tinned or whether there should be beans and if there are, should they be in a ramekin or should they be separate, how should you have your eggs, brown or white toast, etc, etc. Um, so I've got another question about breakfast. We'll get onto to the book in a mm. bit more. Uh, do you, What What do you have on a fried breakfast? Fried breakfast would be bacon, sausage, fried eggs, mm-hmm. fried bread if possible because mm-hmm. it's delicious, toast, mushrooms, um, Yeah, I don't like beans though, sort of thing, and hash browns. Okay. How is your opinion on chips on a fry up? Pardon? I didn't What's I your understand. your opinion on chips on a fry up? Well, I'm not a fan.
1: Because yeah, because day. because
0: I think well, well, chips on a fry up end up just being ham egg and chips, which is dinner. That's true. That's true. Uh, so for me, it is uh, sausages, yeah. bacon. Yeah. Although I'm never a fan of the ta- What I call the tails. Okay. You yeah, know, yeah. I just like the medallion bit. That's it what me. Uh, I I th- will have uh, fried eggs. Yes. I will. I don't mind uh, a bit, a little bit of scrambled egg mm-hmm. with some tomato sauce. And I, li- I like baked beans. I understand why some people don't want them on their plate. So Put them in a ramekin if you're going to have I them. quite like them in a ramekin yeah, yeah, yeah. because then I can eat some of the bits separately yeah. and then whack the beans all over everything else. Not a fan of toast, but if I'm having it, I'll whack a fried egg on top upside down so that the sauce of the yolk all goes running into it. Um, I will have a hash brown. Quite happy with a hash brown on a fried breakfast. Mushrooms and tomatoes can do one as far as I'm afraid <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, so is it a good book? Really good, really funny, um, quite light and silly. Within the first few days of her journey, she's fallen off her bike twice and is therefore quite injured for wow. some of it as well. But um, it's all done really well. It's a lovely introduction to different um, parts of the country as well, um, and just interesting things about you know how cockles are harvested and whatever, and because that's part of the Welsh fry up and you've had cockles. Uh, how honey is made. And I saw off to meet uh, Mr. Uh, Captain Beanie, who is a man who's obsessed with baked beans. <laughs> he has a, a little Heinz museum in his own flat. Um, is that? I mean, is that just he hasn't picked up the, the cans? He's just a strange man. Okay, he's like he seems harmless, but just one of those eccentrics. who's just like oh, this is what I, I know. Them. Do now. I work with yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to read you a quote at the front, which is actually even from her, but it's just a really sweet quote from Winnie the Pooh. Do it, uh, which the book opens with. When you wake up in the morning, Pooh, said Piglet at last, what's the first thing you say to yourself? What's for breakfast, said Pooh. What do you say, Piglet? I say, I wonder what's going to happen exciting today, said Piglet. Pooh nodded thoughtfully. It's the same thing, he said. I Uh, wonder what Eeyore says. Oh, no, not again. Yeah, (laughs) I'd imagine so. Um, But yeah, no, it's just a really interesting... um, And do you learn things about the country outside of breakfast? Yeah, definitely, I think, because it's also set in a... Um, post COVID, post Brexit world, so there's a lot of discussions and things like that, and how people how that's affected breakfast. Breakfast, you know, it, it is you sort of realise how things linked back to this. It's something that you know the British are not known for their food, but we can all agree that we like breakfast, um, even if we can't agree exactly how we want that breakfast um, served. Yeah. Now, did you pick this up in the shop? Yeah, I did. Because, had you seen it before no i think it had come in a few months ago and then sat there for a while and i thought no i'm gonna get that so we need to give a shout out to leslie do we yes yes yeah, so leslie yes. Uh, asked for me to put this on the website lovely um so we did lovely. she ordered a copy and i got one for the shop as well excellent and uh yeah it was um i think i think she enjoyed it too yeah and i'm, I'm mostly just shouting her out to see if she listens that's fair enough. Um, so, if you're listening, Leslie, thank you. Michael no. enjoyed your choice. Very Please much. do get in touch and tell us what you think. Yeah, so that is Red Source, Brown Source by Christy Cloak. And if you find me on Twitter, I'm on Felfam Fiction. Uh, you can message me and tell me if you prefer Red or Brown Source, because I'm curious as to what the population thinks. What is going on? Have, I'm eaten have myself. Have you paid for this? No. <laughs> What's happening? Well, <laughs> stop it. Talk about BertBooks.co.uk, which is where you can buy the book. You can do that too, but you can talk to me at Felfam Fiction. Hmm. Now, we just listened to a little bit of that back as we were setting up for part two of the podcast. And um, I just want to say, sorry about the sort of background noise. Basically, I forgot my microphone. So we're just doing straight into the laptop. But that does mean it's picking up the fan from The laptop as well, yeah. So, um, apologies for that. Hopefully, and as I've said that, the fan is getting louder, it Wonderful. is, it is brilliant. Uh, I have read books, yay! Hurrah! What now, did you read? Now, I well, I've read quite a bit okay since we last spoke. Uh, and normally I would struggle to remember wh- which ones I've read in what order, but I have started a spreadsheet. You have, I've seen it, and um, I, no color coding in it, not yet, not yet. Mm. Not yet. Um I have already started to slack a bit but I updated it a little bit before I came out well done. today. Uh I have read the, well the next one that I read after the last ones that we spoke about was The Bleeding by Johanna G- Gustafsson Gustafsson. Gust- let's say that Gustafsson. Gustafsson. Let's yeah okay. Yeah. It's an Aranda books book. Yes. We love Aranda books. Um I don't I don't get to read as many as I would like because they publish two a month yes. and some of them are in series which I haven't yet caught up on. Um but I wanted to read this one. It was a it came in a beautiful uh sort of sprayed it. It's a very pretty book. Very pretty hardback. And they don't often do hardbacks. No, that's true. So that was one of the reasons why I read it, because if Karen uh, that is Mama Arenda it is. is putting it into hardback, it must be something special. Yes. So is it something special? You can let me ask the questions. Go on then. Is it something special? How good of you to ask? Oh, well, you know. Uh, well, I will tell you in a moment, but let me first of all read the blurb to yes. you. <clears throat> 1899. Belle Epoque, Paris. Lucienne's two daughters are believed dead when her mansion burns to the ground, but she is certain that her girls are still alive and embarks on a journey into the depths of the spirul- spiritualist community to find them nineteen forty nine. Post war Quebec. Teenager Lena's father has died in the French Resistance, and as she struggles to fit in at school, her mother introduces her to an elderly woman at the asylum where she works, changing Lena's life in the darkest way imaginable. two thousand and two Quebec A former school teacher is accused of brutally stabbing her husband, a famous university professor, to death. Detective Maxine Grant, who has recently lost her own husband, and is parenting a new te- a teenager and a new baby single-handedly takes on the investigation under enormous personal pressure Maxine makes a series of macabre discoveries that link directly to historical cases involving black magic and murder secret societies and spiritism and women at breaking point who will stop at nothing to protect the ones they love Have i even said what it's called I, don't, I can't remember. I think you did. It's called The Bleeding, it in is. case I didn't. <clears throat> uh, and, yeah, so this is actually translated from the French. Lovely. The original French. Is it to me, or has there recently been a spate of books set in, like, three time periods? I just feel it's suddenly been a thing. There's quite a lot of books coming out that are just, like... Here's an ongoing story three different things. Well... Either that or I've just read the blurb of three books and decided it's all of them. Funny of you... Uh, I think it's funny of you to mention that because yes. one of the things I wanted to talk about, and it's been a while since I read this, uh-huh. but I have been talking to people in the shop and recommending yes. it to them. Uh, one of the things that I found a little trickier at first was the fact that it was split into three timelines. Okay. Because especially as... Does it uh, jump between them all as well? Yes, it oh, does. Okay, right, fine. It doesn't... Uh, there, There is seemingly no connection at first. Okay. Especially as the 1899 is set in Paris, 2002 it's in Quebec in Canada. So, like, what has happened? Who are these people? Where have they come from? Yeah, yeah. And especially in 2002, Mac, it's all from the point of view of Maxine. But it's, it's in that 1949 period, the meeting of uh, two women, one... um the elderly woman and one being Lena that's where the connection between all three time periods so it spans just over a hundred years yes and she's obviously the link in the middle and they're the the link in the middle Uh, so yeah I did struggle at first and there were definite bits where I I liked them more yeah or I liked them in different ways. So the 1899 section Mm -hmm. is quite ghostly. It's uh, sort of late Victorian period. And there's a woman grieving for the two daughters. And she's trying to uh, sort of get in touch with them. And she's encouraged to find a spiritualist. So there's that sort of otherworldly aspect. Uh There are other women sort of helping her out. And some may or may not be all that they seem. It was quite... It remind and I don't think you've read her, but it reminded me a bit of Laura Purcell. No, I've not read um, Yes, I which is that sort of crypt, uh, sort of gothic horror yeah, yeah, type yeah. thing. Then you've got 2002, which is um, at first very much police procedural. Okay. There's a there's been a murder, and um, the, the Maxine is the police officer in charge, and she's yeah. trying to help find out what's what's going on and. And there's a couple of officers with her, and they're, they're they're following the leads, and and that's all so far so police procedural. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you've got the middle bit, which I would almost equate to literary fiction. Okay. Because you've got this grieving young girl being bullied and, and it's all about a fi- and that bit's all about this girl finding herself. Right. So you've got three almost very different styles in the three different sections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why it was a, a little jarring at first because you're jumping from one to the other. Okay. Uh, and especially when you start off in 2002 because you think, oh, okay, this is a police procedural. Great. Uh, and it largely is. Yes. Except it's got this added element of history in it. I... Really liked it. Good. Um, and this is going to be very difficult for me to talk about. Because one of... I would say this was going on for a three and a half... Four... If I was... If I would give it a number. Yeah. Three and a half, four out of five. Yeah. It was it was good. But then, I was enjoying it. Then the ending. Okay. And I can't tell you what it was. No. But it completely blindsided me. Excellent. And it's not often... That happens to me. I've yeah, th- yeah, I yeah. read a lot. And there are often twists in books. And I go, oh, okay, that's clever. That's how they did it. That's who did yeah, it. Yeah. And that's fine. But this one, I just had no inkling of it at all. Not that it doesn't work. I was going to say, because sometimes you can just have to go, like, and then they all woke up, or something, and there's no explanation for it before. But does it makes sense in context of everything comes Oh, yeah, before? definitely okay. makes sense. And you just... But I just... Wasn't expecting it. Ah. And I think possibly because I was still in the mind of police procedural. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, I think read this one with an open mind. Right, uh, okay. go into it and go. Even if you're thinking this isn't the sort of book I would normally like, there'll be an there'll be another section along in a minute yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. different kind of book. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely worth a read. Interesting. It's called The Bleeding. I think it's going to be on my list of favourite books of the year. Okay. Uh, it's available I right it's now indeed. in hardback. Lovely. You can buy it at UK. It's got some lovely spray edges. Or it's out in paperback next May. Okay. Cool. Oh, and good yes. idea sign up to the arenda book subscription yes because then you get two books a month from the lovely people at arenda uh, and they just publish some amazing crime fiction from all over the world yeah, it's so a they, good they get a lot of translated fiction stuff that you just wouldn't normally find yeah yeah in 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 normal uk nice. shops excellent did i say it was uk? you have now wonderful so on to your next great passion in life after breakfast, and of course second breakfast. Of course, second breakfast. It's an um, Agatha Christie corner. <laughs> um, Don't. we're not having an Agatha Christie corner in the shop. <laughs> we should have an Agatha Christie corner in the shop. We've got a window display already. Yes, we do. And today, yeah. yes. Pedro was trying to find room for a book on a table, a new release on the table. He said, "He said, where do I put it? I, there's no room." And I looked, and I said. Oh, for God. there's an aga for Christie Park. Get that off there. Yes, there is. I've got to have her everywhere. So, speaking of having her everywhere, what have you got? Uh, I have got actually not one of her novels, though I did read Sparkling Cyanide* last month, and I've just finished The Hollow today. Both very good. Uh, But no, Lucy Worsley, the historian, has just published a new biography of Agatha Christie, which came out last month. It did. And it had been in the shop for about four seconds Mm -hmm. before I bought a copy. Yes, this is true. Um, You, You, for the first three seconds, you were like, oh, I'll buy that one day. And then suddenly in the fourth, you'd bought it. Yes, I had, yes, yes, yes. So, I will read you the blurb about, for this biography. Uh, why did Agatha Christie spend her career pretending she was just an ordinary housewife when clearly she wasn't? Why did she? I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. She went surfing in Hawaii, she loved fast cars, and she was intrigued by the new science of psychology, which helped her through devastating mental illness. So why, despite all the evidence to the contrary, did Agatha her, present herself as a retiring Edwardian lady of leisure? She was born into, in 1890 into a world which had its own rules about what women could and couldn't do. Lucy Worsley's biography is not just an internationally renowned best-selling writer, it's also the story of a person who, despite the obstacles of class and gender, became an astonishingly successful working woman. With access to personal letters and papers that have rarely been seen, Lucy Worsley's biography is both authoritative and entertaining, and makes us realise what an extraordinary pioneer Agatha Christie was, truly a woman who wrote the 20th century. I love her. Lucy Worsley. And Agatha Christie. I think they're both brilliant. Um, so, yes, I have in the past, as you this year, I read Agatha Christie's autobiography. Yes. Which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Devel- delves a lot on her childhood and more domestic matters. Doesn't really discuss much about her career. And in fact, this one doesn't discuss much about her career either. But this one goes into a lot of detail about. Is more finding who she was. The subtitle is A Very Elusive Woman. Yes. Agatha Christie um, famously hated giving interviews, very rarely spoke publicly. Um, and, you know, the myth has been built up around about her so that she could turn up in fiction as being a crime solver as well and actually she's not, she wasn't but she, um, you know, th- there was all, you know, so many myths around her and she never corrected any of them so this is trying to redress the balance and say here's who she actually was and it's just a really, really interesting look at a very fascinating woman if she didn't correct them, yes. do you think that she would want them corrected? I don't know. I think I think it was just... So basically, when she made her disappearance, as we've discussed in this podcast before... We have. Um, she then came under a lot of stick when she was rediscovered. So I think I said before, even after she disappeared, she never mentioned it again. Rediscovered? Is that the right word? She's, well, not, she's not Tutankhamun's moon's no, well. no, no, no. <laughs> after... After, um, after she reappeared. Reappeared, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... I said, you know, she never discussed it again. And for a long time, it's been held, one of the bits that's been held that she never talked about it. It's not true, absolutely not true. And it turns out, she I talked did, about it all the time. Well, for the for the year afterwards, yes, because she was going through a divorce and wanted um, to be able to take her daughter with her and not have um, custody go to her ex husband. So she had to say what had happened and that she wasn't mentally unwell. She wasn't unstable. She could look after a child. Um, she had a she you know had to explain that she had a breakdown. But, well, she was off-solving crime. Well, so they say. And or travelling with the doctor. Exactly. But, um, so yeah, there's a lot of... Um, but there was a lot of people at the time who thought she'd gone to embarrass her husband, like I said this before as well. And she I said, no, I never did that. I just needed to break. I'd had a... She was a fugue state. She'd gone, I need to get away from my life falling apart. And this book then finally brings to light the interviews that she gave and the talk she had. And, um, yeah, it's really interesting to sort of go, oh, OK, so... You know, it's not actually a very big mystery. There are details that we're still never going to have fully understand. Like what she had for breakfast. Like she had for Does breakfast. she have red sauce or brown sauce? We'll never know. Probably both. But she... Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's just a really interesting part of that. So there's a whole chapter about just in the year 1996 when all that happened and she vanished. But then there's so many other things about her later career, her struggle with um, the tax people in America. That was apparently quite a big part of her life because her fortune, by the end of her life, wasn't quite as big as it should have been so there's a mystery as to where her money went Um, there's a lot of stuff about Greenway her house in Devon it was um, not recommissioned what's the word the military took it over in World War 2 and uh, yeah and just some other stuff about her child as well which fully explains who she became and why she was who she was but what I think they never really understand and we're never going to understand is why she did continue to pervade herself as this very normal woman. Even to her death, her passport had on its occupation had housewife. Sure. She never thought of herself as a novelist. And even in an interview very late in life, they said, how do you want to be remembered? And she said, as a fairly good writer of detective fiction. Requisitioned. Requisitioned, that's what I wanted. I've yes. been trying to think of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so she wanted to be remembered as a fairly good writer of detective fiction. And she's she the best. She was. She right. She's the best writer of detective fiction. But she didn't seem to ever really understand what she'd done. Um... But she enjoyed writing, and yeah, it's just a really fascinating look at her. Now, is there anything in there that you did not know? Quite a bit, actually. It was some interesting stuff. So, uh, there was a lot of in there about her um, relationship with her second husband Max, which I knew some bits of it, but not uh, some later bits in it that um, they tried for children, had failed pregnancies, um, no. but I didn't know any of that had happened. Um, there's more about her childhood, Um, I knew a bit about her siblings, that's quite interesting in there, and her early family and her relationship with their father, that's not so much in the book either. But I think there's also quite a bit about um, her pre-writing career as well as it was, because she was a nurse in hospitals in both world wars, and um, in the first one, it was the first time that World War One was basically a big change for a lot of women because they could actually go out and work mm-hmm. because there were gaps. So she went and worked in a hospital, and it was the first time she had like women that she could... a group of women friends who weren't all hoity-toity. Cause she was an upper-class woman, um, and you know she had a, a gang. And one of the things I discovered in this book is that while she had this gang, they wrote a magazine for the um, patients and the staff called Queer Women because they were not queer as in you know. Um, LGBT, LGBT, yeah, but um, they were queer as an unusual because they were women who'd gone to work so they had a magazine called Queer Women and I didn't know any of this and it's really interesting um, so she was a very, very forward-thinking woman she loved cars, as it said you know, and just was prepared to take on the new technology quite a lot of the time most of her books were um, dictated to a Dixophone, hmm. typed up by someone else um, Lazy yeah, I know but um so yeah, it's really interesting that, you know, she was prepared to do all this, but she you still think of her as being locked in about nineteen twenty two. Yes. But that's I think is often the fault of the T V adaptations which set all of them in about nineteen twenty five. This where actually she's she I mean, sixty she, years. I should, it's weird that I mean she existed she existed. Yeah. Lived right until the seventies. Yes, yeah, she died mid seventies, you know and was still writing up to the end as well. Yeah. So far You, it, you don't think of her as that recent. No, absolutely not. But, I mean, that's still 50 years ago. Yeah. She died nearly. But, but um, you generally think of her as yeah, absolutely. 20s, 30s. Yeah, she's tied... To the, because I think her more famous novels came out in the 20s and 30s. The David Sushi adaptation in particular sets everything around 1930. So I think um, people have locked her into that period of time. And actually, she expands quite a lot. The ones I've just read now are um, post-Second World War. And they're ready that you can see in them like characters complaining about... Oh, there's no staff anymore, no one wants to work in service anymore because things had changed after war, and you know, there yeah. wasn't the big country houses with loads of staff, servants in them anymore, and things were changing. And you see that, you see, as I said, she wrote the 20th century because she, she her books show the change in society. I have a question about yes. Poirot. Yes. He's one of. in her first He's novel? He's in the first novel. And then the last novel she wrote about him was. Curtain. Quite a long way into her career. Well, she. She, well, she wrote Sorry. it when it was published yeah 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 so she wrote it in World War 2 and put it away she wrote one para and Miss Marple during World War 2 in case she was killed in the bombing raids because during the um, the Blitz she never went down to an air raid shelter well she was just like I'm you know I can hear them again it's fine I'm not going down so she refused to go together. so it was a safety net in case and the royalties for one would go to her daughter and the other would go to her husband. Right. So it was just in case something happened. As it was, she survived, obviously, and then when 17 she died, they published the last ones then. So, but Paro was being published right up until her death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how old is Poirot in the first book? Well, this is one of the big <laughs> issues with it. Because in the first book, Poirot is already retired as yes. an old man. So then 50 years later, yeah. is he 110? I mean, pretty much. Like... She has aged him considerably in the last one, um, and he is a lot older and a lot more frail. He's in a wheelchair for most of it in the last one. Um, but it's never quite clear how old or how much time has passed, because I don't think she expected to be writing for that long either. So it's a bit more unclear. It's a bit unclear. Miss Marple ages slightly more in tandem with her, but not. she still starts at about 65, and when Agatha then reaches 65, Miss Marple starts ageing. Later as well, and I so see. she does get more frail and old and go on. And Tommy and Tuppence famously are um age exactly the same rate as hers so in their first book they're tw- in their twenties and the last book they're in their seventies, um, which is you know really interesting way of doing that as well. But um, yeah, Poirot, I mean, I he must be about hundred by the last one. Wow. Know, it's really. But that's just you know she couldn't have known, so I have had enough of Agatha Christie now. Oh, have you? Yes, I, I have. Move on. Okay, um, but before we do. <laughs> is is this book just for you or is it available to buy anywhere it's available to write uk. wonderful and it's fantastic if, whether you know a lot about Agatha Christie or just want to learn more about her and would make lot. a lovely Christmas present it would I've said it I've said the C word you have said the C word you it's dangerous be careful no w- no no back no. in your box no no get the ribbons Books.co.uk. God, just stop talking about her. But I didn't know any of this. But stop amazing. it! Stop it! Stop it! Because I have read another book. No. Yes, I have. Oh, fine. It's called *The Garnet Girl*. By Agatha Christie. No, by okay. Georgina Moore. Oh, okay, fine. She's good. She is good. Mm. Do you know her? Yes. No, you don't. <laughs> I can tell by the look on your face. But you should know her, okay? Because Georgina Moore. Is like publicist extraordinaire. Oh, hello. If you uh, can think of a successful book in the last ten or fifteen years, uh, this is was a very good chance that Georgina Moore is the publicist behind it. Why is my brain is saying the BFG. That's not in the last ten. 10, 10 15, 15 she was not years. behind that one, no. um, but she has been responsible for many, many authors in that time. She's done uh, Patrick. Gale, um, I think she was involved with Sarah Winman's Tin Man. All your people. All my favourite books. Right. And, and now she's uh, done her own work. And book now she's done her own book. She's Maggie O'Farrell, famously oh, yeah. Maggie O'Farrell. So um, Georgina had Adele Parks. as another one. In fact, it, it was with Adele Parks that I first met George. So mm-hmm. we went. We ended up uh, sat next week ever, at a meal in um, in Newbury somewhere at some fish restaurant. Lovely. Uh, and um, yeah, we had a lovely time, and um, we got on quite well, and. Uh, Essentially, sent me lovely books And I've read lovely books And yes. and so I was very excited When George turns around and says That she's publishing her own book Lovely Because if there's anyone who knows good books That isn't already a bookseller yeah. Or an author It's George Excellent So George has written The Garnet Girls That'll be good I'm going to read you the blurb If I can read it There we go um, Bear with me. I'm having to read this off my phone okay. Because I left my copy of the book at home Well done So, Margot and Richard's love affair was the stuff legends are made of. Forbidden, passionate, all-encompassing, but ultimately doomed. When Richard walked out, Margot shut herself away from the world, leaving her three daughters, Rachel, Imogen and Sasha, to run wild. Having put the past behind her, charismatic Margot holds court in her cottage on the Isle of Wight, refusing to ever speak of Richard. But her silence is keeping each of the Garnet girls from finding true happiness. The eldest, Rachel, is desperate to return to London, but is held hostage by responsibility for Sand Cove, their beloved but crumbling family home. Imogen, the dreamy middle child, feels the pressure to marry her kind, considerate fiancé, even when her life is taking an unexpected turn. And wild, passionate Sasha, trapped between her increasingly divided sisters and her controlling husband, is weighed down by a secret that could shake the family to its core. Harriet Evans, that's another one that George um, has been responsible for in her time. And the reason I mention Harriet Evans specifically is because I think if you like Harriet Evans's books, then you are going to like George's book. Excellent. It's very sort of family saga esque. Uh, It sort of travels, uh, goes over many years. Uh, It's got four very strong female lead characters all quite distinct yeah, so that's good. that's always i've I, you know, i've read books by other authors where they've got sort of like three or four yeah, yeah. characters and who are i mean ultimately these are all middle-aged white women so it's it's very easy for them to blur yeah, into course, one yeah, yeah. however when you're reading it they don't you can do yeah. you know you really can tell who you're reading yeah, yeah. Uh, margot particularly is very sort of effervescent, she is this I mean, she's a Margot, if there's ever a woman that was a Margot, it's Margot Yes, um, it. and she talks of uh, this, well she doesn't talk of this relationship, we see glimpses of this relationship okay. she had in the past and but she's she's off, you know she's having sex with younger men and married men at that and she's, she doesn't give a flying what's it um, she's enjoying her life, she's enjoying being who she is, this woman in her late 50s, early 60s uh-huh. sort of age and then you've got these three young women, um, who twenties into their thirties. Some of them have families, some of them don't, and they're trying to find their way in life. And they've all they, their sort of relationship uh, between the mother and the father yeah. have all sort of influenced their life so dramatically. Uh, and Margot is just this sort of uncontrollable force at the be- at the middle of all their lives. And yeah, she it's just how they all deal with her. i was a bit i was a bit worried about reading this book because i've known george for a very long time i knew that i would have to talk to her about it at some point and say oh yes it was lovely sort of through gritted teeth pretending i didn't like it but i don't have to do that good because i really liked it also you're no good at lying so that's good am i not no oh dear Oh dear, yes. <laughs> um so yeah. Uh I yeah, it was a great read. I like I say really enjoyed it and I just loved being in the company of those women. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what George does next. I'll be honest, I liked this. I liked Harriet Evans' Beloved Girls. I'm not a massive fan of that genre. That's no, no, this no. sort of saga of women and family secrets i just it's not always my thing i mean i'm just like for god's sake throw a gay man in there um (laughs) but um yeah it was fun i enjoyed it and i will definitely read george's book again lovely and also i think i said before when i did the Immortalists last time um a book about sibling relationships yes it's also very interesting again as well to do that Yes, I, although I would say actually maybe not enough is made of the sibling relationship in okay. here. All of the characters are defined through their relationship with their mother. Right. Okay. Uh, but they do. There is interaction between the siblings, yeah, yeah. and and those are they do shed some light on it. Yeah. I think this could be the type of book. I wouldn't say necessarily a series, but I would be very interested to see what happens to the Garnet girls in say fifteen years' time, yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty years' time when Margot. Dies. Yes, that would be interesting. I would like to yes, see yeah, yeah, yeah. how that dynamic yeah. really changes things amongst them and amongst the sisters. I think it it would be it would be good. They feel like real people, yeah, which yeah. is such a hard thing to pull off in fiction. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, Garnet Girls. It is out next year, and it is. I think. Yes, 16th of February. So a little okay. way off, yeah, yeah. but you can pre-order it. And I'm going to speak to George about maybe getting some signed copies. Lovely, yes, See yes. if he would like to be on the Shelf Life podcast, because yeah. I imagine he's got a lot of stories to tell. God, yeah, with those contacts. Exactly. Uh, um, but yes, you can pre-order it right now at... Burt's Books.co.uk You took the words right out of my mouth. Someone had to. That's it. We're done. Oh, okay. Unless you have anything further to add. No, I don't think so. Um, oh thank god I thought you were going to start talking about Agatha Christie again well I have no, no. <laughs> um, so if you would like to talk to us and tell us anything about what you're currently reading what you're writing like Catherine did yes. fact, I'm quite interested to see what she has written Yes. Uh, you can contact us tell us your favourite source tell us some undiscovered fact about Agatha Christie yeah. and see if Michael knows it you can email me at bert at bert's books dot u Ugh, I can't speak UK. that's the fella yep. uh, you can Email me there. You can tweet us at Burt's Books. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, we are on TikTok. Although very, when I say we're on TikTok, we have a TikTok account. When you say we, you, me, uh, yes. Um, so we, I, I occasionally post something, maybe once a month That's on average. Yes. So go and have a look. Find us there. Find us in all the places. And if you can't find us in a place, ask us, and we'll be there. We'll we'll add ourselves. Also. Oh. Come to the shop, yes. Come and please, please come to the shop. Entertain me. We we have very quiet period, so we're always looking for people to come and visit. Um, and you can you can also see the pillar that is so easy to miss. Yes. Um, that I have cracked a ribbon. I might repaint it for you. Oh, what colour? Yellow and black stripes. Okay, hazard. Yes. <laughs> um, <Thank you. laughs> please do also rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That yes. way, you will never. An episode. No. I think that is everything for now. Any? I, I know I asked you at the beginning of this, but if you thought of anything else that you would like to add? No, I don't think so. I think that's about it. Brilliant. Say good night, Michael. Good night, Michael.